Good evening. Um, my name is Noah. I'm uh, one of the members um, of of this uh, church, and uh, you're you're very welcome. Um, especially if this is your first time, um, you're you're so welcome here. We've we've been going through um, a series in our um, evening um, services called "A Song in My Soul," and what we've been looking at is taking a different psalm every Sunday evening and seeing just how the Psalms, and actually Scripture as a whole, addresses the range of human experience. There is nothing that we experience in our lives here on earth that the Bible doesn't have something to say about. There's nothing in the, in, in the, the range of human experience that is not addressed, at least in part, in what the Bible says. Tonight we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 42, which is a, a very well-known psalm. You'll, you'll know it as soon as um, I read the first line. And we're going to be looking at how our experience of depression, although this is not a word that's addressed in the Bible, you, you don't see the word depression in the Bible, the Bible has so much to say to those of us who experience depression. And I know when, when we say depression, this can cover so many different things. It's kind of a, a word that just covers so many different types of experience. So, some of you who, who suffer from depression might be able to relate that back to a specific event or a day in your life that changed the course of your life, and from there, you knew that you had started to suffer from depression because of something that happened to you, maybe a loss in the family, maybe an accident. Who knew? I don't know what it was. For some of you, you might not know why you suffer from depression. There might not be any reason at all. Your life might be great. You, you, externally, you can't see any reason why someone like you should suffer from depression, and yet you are haunted by depression over and over again. You can't put your finger on what it is. No one can really tell you, oh, you're depressed because of this, this, and this. Apart from, the only answer you can come up with is, maybe I was just kind of born this way. Maybe you suffer from what we would maybe call spiritual depression, where your depression is specifically linked to a feeling that God is so distant from you or maybe that God is constantly angry with you, that you're constantly having to walk on eggshells around God because he might just smite you. Or if he doesn't do that, at least he's not very pleased with you. He's always just a little bit irritated by you. And we're actually going to see that throughout this psalm and actually throughout Scripture, God has so much to say about our experience of depression. If you guys want to uh, grab your Bibles or, or open, up, uh, open up your phones, um, we're going to be reading Psalm 42 tonight. So if, there's not a, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one um, around you. Um, Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? 
These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Midzah. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. At your waves and breakers, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I wonder if you've you've come along uh, tonight and it took every bit of strength that you have to even get out of bed this morning. Are you here tonight and and you've you've been singing um, along with uh, the songs that we've had tonight, that you've been saying amen to the prayers, you've been smiling away, people... When people welcomed you this evening and asked you how you were doing, you were like, oh, I'm great, I'm fine. But inside, you feel empty. Your soul is dry. Or maybe you feel like you are just drowning. Like just when you manage to get your head above water, another wave just pushes you under. Maybe you've been crying out to God, but he just seems so much more silent than he ever has been before. So much so that you wonder, where is he? Maybe none of this makes sense to you. You're not sure why you're here tonight. Maybe you're in a really good mood tonight. And you're like, great, I came along on this Sunday we talk about depression. But even if that's you, God has so much to say to us through this psalm and through the entirety of Scripture. For those of us who do struggle with depression, I think that this psalm, although it doesn't give us seven keys to a good life, what I'm going to be talking about tonight is not some sort of magic fix so that when you walk out of here, you'll be fine and you will never struggle with depression ever again. Your life will be rosy. That's not what this is, and please don't hear that from what I'm going to say. But I do think that the psalmist here shows us a few things that we can do, a few things that we should know, a few things that we need to remind ourselves of that will help us think about our depression biblically and also will give us hope. If you do struggle from depression, Scripture doesn't alienate you. It's not a foreign concept to the Bible. In fact, it is so common throughout Scripture. And I think that kind of links into the first thing that the psalmist does, and that we should learn from 
What I'm struck by in this psalm is just how blatantly honest he is. It's the first thing that I think he shows us is honesty. He is brutally honest in this psalm. You see, I I think the, the greatest, one of the greatest lies that we can believe as Christians is that Christians should be happy all the time. You should always have a smile on your face. I remember at, at um, Bible college, someone uh, from Bible college had just lost a member of their family, and someone came marching in, and, and you could see on this person's face that they had experienced loss. You could see that they were visibly going through grief. Someone else skipped in and said, oh, are you frowning? You're a Christian? For goodness sake, be happy. It's one of the greatest lies that you can believe as a Christian is that you should be happy all the time. It's against common sense. It's against Scripture. It's against one of the titles that the Bible gives to Jesus, the man of sorrows. You see, the Bible is way more honest than we would ever allow ourselves to be. It's way more honest than we would ever allow other people to be. If you heard someone in the church say some of the things that he says here, if someone came up to you and said, God has just forgotten me, hasn't he? What would your answer be? The Bible gives us so much room for honesty. Read this psalm, read the book of Job, read the words of Jesus. When Jesus was in the garden before being crucified, what did he say? He didn't say, I feel happy. He said, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. Go through the book of Psalms. A third of it is lament. That was actually the topic of my previous sermon. Um, Gareth gave me lament last time, and this time he's given me depression. (laughs) Yeah. Might have to talk about. (laughs) There is so much room for honesty in the Bible. The Bible gives us so much language. This psalm gives us so much language that we can use to be honest before God when we go through times of depression. We need to abandon the idea that God can't deal with our honesty. Because Psalm 42 invites us to be brutally honest about our depression, about our suffering, about times when we don't know what's going on and we feel like we are forgotten. Are you thirsting for God? Are you frustrated? Are you so frustrated that you wish you could just see God face to face and just have it out with Him? Do you feel like you're drowning? Do you feel forgotten? Do you feel oppressed? Do you feel full of doubt? Read Psalm 42. This psalm invites us to be brutally honest, to cry out to God. He wants to hear it. He doesn't rejoice that you're suffering, but he wants to hear it. He doesn't want to hear, oh, I'm doing fine, God. He wants to hear your honest cries. He wants you to pour out your heart in brutal honesty. He can take it.
throughout the Bible, we see time and time again people who we call heroes of faith, even our Savior Jesus, experience times of great depression. Some of the people that, as Christians, we look up to the most were actually some of the people who struggle with depression the most. In the 1800s, there was a, uh, a preacher in, in England. Um, he, had, he had become the pastor of a church at 19, which is frightening when you look at the 19-year-olds in Orangefield. He'd become, <laughs> he'd become the pastor of a church at 19 years old. And he had started, it was just visibly this anointing on him. God was doing incredible things through him. Tens of thousands of people were coming to hear him preach every time he preached. And one night, they came along, and uh, 10,000 people were in this massive auditorium in London, ready to hear this man preach. And he started, and a little bit into his sermon, someone from the balcony shouted, fire. Naturally, chaos ensued from that. There was a stampede. People ran for the exits, and in that, seven people ended up dying. The preacher was sort of, had to be dragged off stage because he'd fainted from the experience. From that moment on in his life, he struggled with depression more deeply than I have heard anyone else talk about depression. This man is the man that we call the Prince of Preachers, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers the world has ever known. A man who brought so many, God used to bring so many people to faith, and yet a man who was also deeply, deeply affected by the experience of depression. You're not alone. You're not the only one who has ever struggled with this. The Bible does not alienate you. The Bible actually invites you in to be honest with God. Second thing I think that he, um, that the psalmist shows us is to remember the past clearly. This will make sense in a second. In verse 4, he says, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. He's been honest before God. He's saying, he is showing just how downcast he is. And in verse 4, he stops to remember a time long ago. He invites us to remember the past clearly. See, in the midst of depression, what tends to happen is that we read everything through the lens of depression. We read everything, our whole lives, through this lens. And we start saying things like, I have never been happy. God, you have never been with me. No one has ever been around for me. I've always felt like this. We end up reading the past through the present. Through our times of depression, we start to remember things in a different way. And actually what the psalmist invites us to do is remember the past clearly. Effectively, this is what he wants to do. Remember that things were not always like this. Remember that things were not always like this. 
He remembers a time when he was a worship leader, leading the people up to the temple where they would meet with God, where they would praise him, where they would rejoice. We need to remember, especially in the times when we are in the deepest depths of depression, things have not always been like this. Things have not always been like this. When you start thinking, God has never been there for me. God has never helped me. Remember the past clearly. Talk to people who can remind you that things have not always been like this. When you start thinking, God has never been there for me. Remember the past clearly. Remember that things have not always been like this. Ultimately, remember that there is a definite point in history where God proved for all time that he is for you, that he is there for you, that he cares for you, that he loves you, and that he will never abandon you. When Jesus was crucified, he proved for all time that he will never abandon you that he is for you, that he loves you, that he cares for you. Remember. The third thing is sort of the opposite. We remember the past. The third thing is we need to look ahead. We remember things will not always be like this, and we need to remember things... Sorry, let me rephrase (laughs) We remember that things have not always been like this, and we need to remember things will not always be like this. In verse 5, the psalmist says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Why? For I will yet praise Him. There's going to come a time when I'm going to praise God again. Psalm 30 puts it a little bit differently. Psalm 30, verse 5 says, Weeping may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Things will not always be like this. Now, this is not a promise of sort of one day all of your depression will be gone. Now, one day it will when Jesus comes back. But on earth, this is not a promise that this will go away forever. But things will not, you will not always be down in the depths. There will be days when you will be given a little bit of light. You will again praise God. How can I be so sure? Because the Bible says so. Put your hope in God, for you will again praise Him. This isn't a passive thing. We don't sit around waiting for this time to come. It's a fight. One of the toughest things about Psalm 42 is that the psalmist doesn't actually let himself off the hook. In times of depression, to be honest, what I want to do the most is lie in bed and not see anyone, not talk to anyone, not think. 
this psalm just doesn't give us that room. The psalmist doesn't give us that room. He doesn't let himself off the hook. What he's saying is there comes a time where we need to fight to praise God again. As a bit of an aside in this, in times of depression, we also need to remember that depression is not proof that God isn't there for us. Depression is actually, can be a medical thing. Depression can come from physiological reasons. And as the church, we've been frightened of that for a long time. I remember in Bible college, a lot of my negative stories come from there. Positive stories came from there as well. (laughs) It was a good place, positive stories. But another negative one. I remember talking to someone at at Bible college, um, they're not here, and and saying, um, the doctor has prescribed me with um, some some antidepressants. And and, and his answer, and I think he was well-meaning, was, but don't you think, like, if you just put your faith in God, you would... Wouldn't need them. He had a he had a bike with him, and I said, "Well, don't you think that if you fell off your bike and broke your leg, like you would just have faith in God and it would be be healed?" Sometimes there are physiological reasons, and we don't we need to not be afraid of actually seeking medical help for it. We seek medical help for everything else, don't we? And that is going to be part of, that can be part of the fight to get to this point where you will again praise him. It is a fight. It will take courage. It will take tears. It will take effort. But you will again praise him. Keep reading his word. Keep praying. Keep meeting with other Christians who can remind you of his word when you don't have the strength to read his word. Spurgeon, again, I'm going to quote him loads because he's, he's just brilliant on, on this topic. For weeks after that, after that event, he said that he could not look at a Bible. He just couldn't look at a Bible. And so his wife would sit with him and read it to him. Meet with other Christians who can remind you of this. You will again praise him. Joy will come. The fourth thing that the psalmist does is he preaches to himself. He speaks to himself. And this is one way of fighting to praise him again. He speaks to himself. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this on, on, on this psalm, actually. He says, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself. What he's saying is that in times of depression, we listen to our emotions and we allow them to dictate truth to us. It can go something like this. I feel unlovable, therefore I am unlovable. I feel like there's no hope, therefore there must be no hope. I feel worthless, Therefore, I must have no worth. We become so used to listening to ourselves that we become enslaved to whatever we feel. 
And so what the psalmist does is instead of listening to himself, he speaks to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He's not talking to God there. He's talking to himself. Why are you cast down, O my soul? He reminds himself that even though God feels distant, he isn't. Even though he feels like God has abandoned him and forgotten him, God hasn't. His love is no less real, even if it feels that way. And we need to learn to preach to ourselves, to speak to ourselves, instead of always listening to ourselves. We need to point ourselves back to what God says about us, not what we feel about us. Do you feel unloved, unlovable? Say to yourself, remember Jesus, who loves me infinitely and proved it to me. Do you feel worthless? Say to yourself, remember Jesus, who by dying for me, shows me I am of infinite worth to him. Do you feel empty? The very Spirit of God lives in you. Speak truth to yourself. Why are you cast down in my soul? It may not make sense. You may not know why you feel like this. Speak truth to yourself. Remind yourself, God delights in you. God loves you. God even sings over you. See, in times of depression, and this is the fifth thing, We need to speak to ourselves, and we need to plead with God as well. We need to speak to God as well. We need to grab hold of the promises of God, what God has promised us in His Word, and pray it back to Him. We might feel like all of this God stuff, all of the promises of God, as nice as they are, are for everyone else. Psalm 77 says, Are his promises at an end for all time? We need to grab hold of the promises of God and reframe ourselves around what he says and pray them back to God. Say, God, you promised this. Your word says this. Would you make it real for me? Even when it feels completely counterintuitive, even when everything in you is screaming the opposite, even when your mind and your emotions are saying, where is your God? I was talking to uh, Roger McConnell, who amongst many, many other gifts, uh, knows how to fly a plane and is quite good at it. I've never been in a plane with him. He might be terrible. I think he's good at it. Some of you might have experienced it. <laughs> and he was saying that when you qualify as a, as a, as a private um, pilot, so you're not, not in a commercial plane, 
first thing you learn is to fly in fair weather. So when you're, when you're piloting a plane in good weather, there's not too much to worry about. I say that, I mean, I would be freaked out. But if you know how to do it, you're probably, in good weather, you're okay. You can see everything through the, you call it a windscreen? Yeah, a windscreen. You can see the land, you can see around you. But there's another thing that pilots need to learn how to do if they want to fly in any conditions. It's to fly by, the, by reference to the instruments only. What that means is there are times when you're flying when you will not be in good weather, where you'll go through fog, you'll go through clouds, you'll go through weather that means that you cannot see anything in front of you. All of your spatial awareness is gone. And another thing that happens a lot when that happens is you get something called the leans, which basically means that everything in you is telling you the plane is, oh, the plane is going left, the plane is going right, the plane's going up, the plane's going down. You feel like the plane is going one way, even though it isn't. And if you trust your instincts, if you trust what you feel, if you trust what your mind is telling you, if you're leaning left, if you think you're leaning left, you'll then try to make the plane go level, but actually what you're doing is making it go right, and you end up flying like that. And they say that if a pilot is untrained and goes through times like that, it takes 40 seconds for him to lose all control of the plane. And so what they need to learn how to do is to look at the instruments, block out everything that they feel is happening, and just look at the instruments. I feel like I'm leaning left, but the instruments tell me I'm straight, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with that. In times of depression, we're going to feel like we are unloved. We're going to feel like God has forgotten us. But the instruments... We need to look at what the instrument's telling us. God's word is rock, and our feelings are sand. The sixth thing that he shows us, in verse 7, he says, Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. All your Waves and your breakers have swept over me. When we look at suffering, when we look at our depression, we look at it one-dimensionally. We look at suffering and we say, that's bad. We look at depression and we say, that's bad. Nothing good can come from that. And yet the Bible says, the Bible acknowledges, yes, suffering is bad. Depression is bad. Depression is a result of the fall. It's part of our brokenness. And yet the Bible also teaches us something else, which is that suffering submits to God. Depression submits to God. God has complete rule over all suffering. God has complete authority over all depression. 
Another great lie that we can believe is that our suffering is completely meaningless, that our depression has no purpose. Don't we feel like that sometimes? Why are you leading me through this? This is, this is meaningless, God. And yet the psalmist acknowledges, no, this suffering is because God has allowed it, and he knows why. God has a clear purpose when he leads his children through suffering. He does not lead his children through suffering for no reason. We feel like that. But sometimes it's in the middle of depression that actually God teaches you the most valuable lessons you can learn. So often in the middle of depression, God is showing you what it looks like to be completely dependent on him because you know that if he doesn't come through, all is lost. So often it's in the middle of times of great, great suffering that we see God move the most that we see God grow us the most. It will feel meaningless, but it's not. It may be the very thing that God uses to grow you the most. He never leads his children through suffering for no reason. Andrew Peterson is one of my favorite um, songwriters, and he um, is someone who, who experiences deep depression, He's also someone who recently got into gardening. And it came to planting season when he was going to plant some, um, some uh, plants, I suppose. That's what you plant, isn't it? In his garden. And to do that, he had to dig up the ground to plant the seeds for the plants. And as he was doing that, he said it occurred to him how harsh he was being with the ground it's not a gentle process to dig up the ground. If you've ever seen farmers doing it, it is a harsh, it is a brutal process. But it occurred to him, he's, he said, I'm not digging up the ground because I hate it. I'm digging up the ground because out of it I know will come growth, will come fruit. He has a clear purpose. And just as I finish, seventh thing, is we look to Jesus. How do we know that God has a clear purpose in our suffering? How do we know that he has a purpose in our depression? Because he led Jesus through the deepest suffering the world has known and had the most glorious purpose the world has ever known for it. As we fight to praise him again, we need to look to the one who actually lived out this psalm. See, we're, we're going to feel dry. We're going to feel parched. We're going to feel thirsty. Well, he truly was. He cried out, I thirst. We're going to feel like God has forgotten us. Well, God truly turned his face away. Turned his face away from Jesus so that he would never do that to us. We might feel crushed under the weight of sorrow. He truly was crushed under the weight 
of all our sin and all our sorrow. We might feel taunted by our depression as if it's a, if, as if it's a physical enemy. Jesus was killed at the hands of his enemies. And yet we can hope because he is alive today and he has promised that one day he will wipe away every tear from your eye. It will be gone. Depression will be gone. Anxiety will be gone. Suffering will be gone for good. But he is not just the one who says that. He's also the one who cares for your suffering today. In Psalm 56, it says, he keeps track of your sorrow. Listen to this. He has put every tear in a bottle. He keeps track of every single tear that you shed. He cares for it. He has a purpose for it. Jesus has walked through every bit of sorrow that we walk through but new joy would come. And he is with us today in the midst of our sorrow, reminding us joy will come. Joy will come. Look to the cross. Look at that deep suffering, but look at the joy that came. We have a Savior who is with us, who knows exactly what we are going through, not like people who say, oh, I know how you feel. No, they don't. We have a Savior who knows exactly what we are going through. He is faithful to his promises. He is closer than you could ever imagine. Hope in him. Because you will again praise him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that your word does not alienate anyone. It does not alienate people who suffer from depression. In fact, it is so clear that there is so much hope that you speak to those of us who struggle with this with so much tenderness and care and comfort. Lord, tonight would you comfort those of us who are going through deep, dark times that feel haunted by depression, that feel like there is no hope, that there is no purpose, would you speak to us? Would you comfort us? Would we feel your supernatural peace and comfort and presence with us? Amen.